When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Three Bonus Points Podcast with George Osborne and Ryan King. Hello and welcome to the Three Bonus Points Podcast, a fantasy football podcast all about the Premier League. Four game weeks in and the Premier League is starting to take some shape and with it we're starting to figure out who the main runners and riders in fantasy are. I'm Ryan Keeney and here's George Osborne, ready to guide you through game week five. Hello everybody. Hello George, how are you? I'm okay, I did notice that you managed to score more points than me last week, right? Yeah, yeah. good, I'm glad we're bringing that up now. We're bringing That's it up fun. now, I'm big enough to admit that I have inflicted yet another tranche of enormous wounds to myself in a fancy game week by captaining in Firmino, taking a four point hit to bring in Phil Jones and take Kevin De Bruyne out, and benching Ben Davis. so the fact that I ended up with 46 points is borderline miraculous. It is, yeah, and it is. I think it's the Ben Davis benching that um, surprised me the most. Just uh, with, I, I appreciate it was Everton, so it's, it's hard to kind of pull that. But yeah, I'm relatively pleased with myself. Kept faith with De Bruyne and Gabriel Jesus, and uh, they came good along with Lukaku as captain. So yeah, yeah, relatively pleased with with my week's work, to be honest. Which is a solid week. In fact, the only thing that saved me was the fact that I'd had early season faith in Pascal Gross who I'd been ticked mm. off to at the start of the season by a number of bo- number of Brighton fans who had told me he looked like a very good, solid, fancy football pick. And I decided to rotate him in this week because they had that home fixture against West Brom. And without him, I think I would have been in a lot of trouble. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame he got 18, <laughs> purely, purely because he scored so well from it. Yeah. Um, we've got lots to get through today. Um, we're talking through the major injuries in the last week, uh, namely Heaton and Pogba. Uh, we're going to look ahead to Super Sunday, two games that I think are, are worthy of that title, um, as well as picking our usual tips to do well and maybe even discussing wild cards. Mm. Uh, but let's get cracking. Uh, Paul Pogba limped off in midweek for Manchester United in the Champions League and Tom Heaton is set to miss months with a dislocated shoulder. 
Uh, Pogba's already been ditched by 350,000 managers and, and 60,000 have bailed on Heaton. How would you replace them, George? How do you go about replacing two players that have been key so far, I think, for lots of teams? Well, I, I think let's take a look at Pogba first because Pogba, I mean, his injury, it seems to be, it's obviously going to have the quicker recovery time. So he's going to be out for, I think, roughly six weeks, which is still a fair whack of time and still enough that you are going to have to think about replacing him. But at least, I think, on the horizon, you can see him returning Whereas Heaton, you know, like you say, it's going to be a couple of months and I think people are going to have to be looking ahead to what they're going to be doing instead with him. In terms of the way that you can replace Pogba, I think there's one of two approaches that you can take. One is going for pretty much a like-for-like swap. So I think you can either go for someone who is essentially the same price as him. So, for example, David Silva who's priced at 8.2 million. He's got two assists and two bonus returns in his first four game weeks. And Manchester City have five two-rated difficulty, uh, two difficulty-rated fixtures in the next six game weeks. So that's five fixtures that are considered pretty easy to win. Um, so he's got quite a good run of fixtures ahead of him. Or you can go for someone who's just a little bit more expensive than Popper is at this moment in time, but who's going to offer you a roughly similar return so Mkhitaryan I think is the most obvious one at Manchester United you know he's already got himself five assists for the season two bonus returns he was very unlucky to blank last week when Lukaku uh, failed to score with Mkhitaryan's initial pass essentially removing the assist from him so Mm. um, but Mkhitaryan I think looks like the sort of the most obvious replacement especially if you're looking to maintain a Manchester United player in your team And then the other option is to maybe look to do something a little bit jazzy with that money. I'd say it's a little bit risky to try something like this, but I think a player like Riyad Mahrez is definitely worth considering. Um, He's a bit more expensive at 8.5 million, but he's already got three assists in in four game weeks, which is one assist less than he got throughout the entire season last year in fantasy football. His ownership's only 5.4%, and Leicester have four two-rated fixtures in their next five, and I think they've actually looked pretty good. So... That could be an interesting approach to take if you're looking essentially for a like-for-like. The alternative, though, I think is bringing the cost down by finding someone who's quite a bit cheaper because essentially, as I think we've discussed quite extensively on the podcast so far, this is an expensive fantasy season with a lot of players who score reliably and who play reliably for the top sides coming in with incredibly hefty price tags. So you may be looking at this Pogba, um, essentially this Pogba injury as an opportunity to bring in someone who might give you a bit more bang for your buck. There's three players, I think, in particular, or at least three types of players who I think are going to be able to help you out. One is Aaron Ramsey. I don't think this weekend is necessarily the best one for Aaron Ramsey, but at 7 million, a goal and assist, and only 3% ownership since the start of the season, he actually looks all right. Um, Maxim Chupamoting at Stoke looks like a really cheap option, 5.6 million. He got two last week obviously against Manchester United and most interestingly he's that rare beast of a midfielder who's actually playing as a centre forward so there could be a real opportunity there for unexpected points and then I think you're looking towards someone like um, Ducore or Richarlison at Watford who are 5.2 million and 6 million respectively but the thinking behind all of those transfers is to reduce your outlay by a certain amount because even though I think some people will be tempted to upgrade Pogba and you know spend another million to bring someone else in my Mm. feeling is is that um, this is going to be a season when you're going to be having a really top heavy fantasy team that's going to be having to rely upon maybe two or three incredibly expensive strikers to bring home reliable points so I think you want to be either bringing in someone who's roughly equivalent priced or someone who's cheaper to help you balance your team effectively 
Fair enough. And Tom Heaton hasn't had. I mean, fancy wise, he's he's only got eight points from the first four games, but is a, a regular performer, as he tends to make a lot of saves. Do you? Would you just look for someone similar um, around the, the same kind of five million tag, or do you maybe look for that value that someone like Fabianski or Foster at West Brom would offer? Well, I think whenever you're going for a budget goalkeeper, you're always looking for someone. The tendency is that players of fantasy football look at simply the, the clean sheets and think, are they going to get a clean sheet or not? Make a decision based on that. That is actually quite a problem when you're actually taking this approach in fantasy football because the lower cost keepers will often rack up save points as a result of making um, at least for every three saves they make in a game, they make a save point. If they're making lots of save points, they're almost certainly putting themselves in a position for bonus points. And this is the reason why you saw players like Pickford last season who were essentially doing a, a cracking job despite the fact that Sunderland weren't keeping a particularly large number of clean sheets because they were racking their save points up. So mm. you can already look towards, I mean, he's so far not kept a clean sheet and is tougher to recommend, but Asmir Begovic has already made quite a large number of saves and has racked up quite a few save points. I think Heaton's direct replacement of Burnley, Nick Pope, I mean, I think he's going to be sitting behind the same defence. So he's definitely got an opportunity to be a really good low-cost pick. I'd also say Rob Elliott. You know, there's been a lot of interest in Rob Elliott this season because he's the only active uh, four million goalkeeper at the start of the season. But he's actually justifying the interest in him. I think he's conceded three and four so far, and he's now got back-to-back clean sheets. So while I'd say that replacing Tom Heaton, I mean, it's always going to be a little bit tricky. He was a very reliable performer last season. I think there are definitely options out there. Hmm. Right, fair enough. And. Looking at suspensions as well, so Pogba isn't the most transferred out player this week. Uh, that's Sadio Mane, who um, obviously got a red card last week. He's out until October, so that's it's just too many game weeks, isn't it, to keep him around? You've got to, I think, you've got to look elsewhere. I think so. I think with the amount of money that you're having to invest in your key players in fantasy football this season, if it's one of your players who's, you know, retail, who's who's coming in essentially above sort of eight or nine million, if they're out for a few games, you really need to find someone else to replace them in the short term because ultimately, um, to balance out that many expensive players, you will be having to rely a lot upon a lot of players who are 4.5, 5 million, you know, those, those kinds of prices who, okay, I had a very fortunate time with, with Pascal Gross last week, but you really really can't rely upon that too much so with Mane I think the most obvious pick is probably a direct swap with Salah um, you know mm-hmm. someone like that um, alternatively if you're feeling a bit brave you can look towards someone like Alexis Sanchez who returned in midweek got himself a couple of goals against Cologne um, and was it actually a couple I've just realised Oh blimey! He at least scored against Cologne, so there we go. Um, I will, I will, uh, you know exactly. I, I was watching that late last night, and my brain has completely failed there. But the main thing is he's back in, he's back in the mix, and could be someone worth considering. And so could even Eden Hazard. You know, he's a, again another expensive pick at ten point five million, but his ownership is only zero point one percent at the moment. So there is a potential for you to get in really early on one of those elite level picks. Um, and then in terms of another suspension, I think you wanted to to mention Gary Cahill as well. Did yeah well so he's back um, after obviously being set off in the opening week of the season he's now available I was just wondering is there a temptation there or would you kind of just stick with fullbacks I think for defensive wise he's he's quite expensive for a centre half yeah I mean I generally tend to opt for fullbacks over centre backs it's it's not a, a sort of 
it's not entirely the case. I've actually got three centre backs in my side at the moment. So I've got uh, Phil Jones, uh, Jamal Scales, and Craig Dawson in there. Um, but if you're looking at centre backs, you are looking at the very least for people to be providing a set from, a threat from set pieces. Which, to be fair, Gary Cahill does. Um, but I would generally say, again, it's coming down to to where are you going to make savings to bring in those you know really top level attackers who are going to score you the bulk of your points. If it's the choice between, if you've not got really sort of any particular choice to make and you do have some money left to hang around to, to get someone like Cahill in, then yeah, I think he's worth considering. But if you're looking at your team and thinking, I really need to be able to invest in that midfield to get you know someone like a Christian Eriksen in, or I need to be investing in my strike force to make sure that I can either afford a slightly better third striker or put that money in someone like Harry Kane, then I'd say probably look towards strengthening there. Hmm. Um, now Gary Cahill is back in contention and could play on Super Sunday for Chelsea against Arsenal. See that for a link. Um, and there's there's two big games on Sunday. Looking at the, the Chelsea Arsenal game, how much of an advantage do you think the late finish to Arsenal's Europa League match under the night will have an effect on on Sunday's game? I think it will will have a big effect. I mean, I, I think just in general, um, Chelsea have got uh, Chelsea have essentially got dominion over this fixture in the last last five years. So, aside from that five three home defeat in in October twenty eleven, since then Chelsea have played. Arsenal at home five times in the league and they've scored 15 times so they've been averaging three goals a game um, I think it's very difficult to back anyone other than Chelsea this weekend especially with the fact that Chelsea rested quite a lot of their players against Carabag and, and still won comfortably in midweek Arsenal have got that uh, late in the week hangover into the weekend and then with that kind of you know long term you know historic form over them I think it's very difficult to look anywhere other than towards Chelsea which fancy terms means looking almost certainly at Alvaro Morata who's got himself a golden assist in each of his home games so far so I think he would be your top pick there but I would also start looking closely at someone like Zappa Costa who played in midweek who got himself on the score sheet he was looking good actually at right back and considering Victor Moses was always playing a right wing back as a kind of adapted position rather than his natural role it could easily be that Zappa Costa takes the Alonso route and ends up becoming the person who nails down that position and offers a really good attacking option and then as I mentioned earlier um, Eden Hazard it's worth considering if you're brave I mean I don't think it's possibly the right time in the season to try something really really sort of bold to try and get yourself in front but I know mm. that some managers have had a, quite a lot of success by doing things like that so if you are someone who fancies a bit of a punt perhaps that's one that you want to be considering Yeah I think it's Chelsea's fixtures and they've got Arsenal this week they've got Stoke away then they've got Man City that it doesn't it doesn't feel like a necessarily reliable time to bring someone in I, I, if you've got them in your side I think stick with them because as you say they've got dominance over Arsenal of late um, and, but the other two games just make me slightly nervous actually, wait till the next transfer window and then get Hazard back in if you're going to be drafting him yeah. in um, the other game on Sunday sees Wayne Rooney play his first match against Manchester United since his return to Everton um, the team obviously sitting top at the, uh, sitting pretty at the top of the Premier League with Pogba gone do you see do you think we'll see a, a different Man United side or will they be able to kind of just get through it and and accommodate that that Pogba being missing because Mkhitaryan's been so scintillating so far I think they will probably be okay I mean I think part of the reason why they're going to be okay is Everton's form um, you know since they won on the opening day of the season I don't think 
Um, they've managed to win the league since. You know, they've had tough fixtures, admittedly. They've had Spurs, they've had Chelsea, they've had Manchester City. But they also got tonked by Atlanta in midweek in, mm. in the Europa League, which again was another Thursday match. And this is the first time this season, you know, that they've really, I, I think as well, like going into a really competitive European game and then following it up with a league fixture afterwards at the weekend. So like this is going to be a real challenge for Everton. And I think it's, again, I mean, in the same way that Murata was very much the standout pick for Chelsea this week, Lukaku, just remains the standout pick for Manchester United at home um, against his former club. It's it's difficult to see him, you know, failing to get on the score sheet there. So I think he's going to be a reasonable option. As for the rest of the side, I think that Mkhitaryan will possibly be taking on sort of more of the emphasis as the focal point with Pogba away. Uh, Mourinho chose to bring on Fellaini, who actually had a very good game um, in mm-hmm. midweek to replace Pogba. Um, but I think when you have Fellaini in the side, that the creative emphasis starts shifting a bit. And so I think Mkhitaryan will, will potentially benefit from that. The other person to be considering is Marcus Rashford, who's got, I believe he's now got four in four, if you're including um, international fixtures, which means, uh, yes, that essentially, or so for, sorry, four in five in his international fixtures, um, which essentially means that he is potential option at 7.5 million. So... Fair enough. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Um, the other kind of notable thing that happened in midweek is that Tottenham banished their hoodoo at Wembley um, and enjoyed a victory. This Saturday they welcomed Swansea um, to the ground. It's got to be all about Ben Davis, doesn't it? Well, yes. I mean, Ben Davis, um, you know, he, he managed to... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Accidentally do me harm by sitting on my bench last week. But, I mean, he is essentially the standout defensive pick at the moment in fantasy football. He's reasonably priced. He's playing regularly. He's getting assists. He's he's also obviously contributing to the clean sheet side of things. So I think he's he's very much a standout pick there. But I think as well, you're now starting to look towards the, the picks further further up the pitch. I mean, Harry Kane has obviously, since August has gone, you know, I know this is much mm-hmm. talked about, but he did manage to get himself a couple of midweek against Dortmund at home. So he looks like he's going to be a very strong bet to return again against Swansea. And then just Christian Eriksen, he's, he's the man who just keeps on delivering fancy football points. I know that people look towards Deli Alley um, more naturally because I think Ali tends to be getting on the score sheet a little bit more. But Eriksen has that knack of either getting a goal and assist or some, and usually adding some sort of bonus as well. You know, last season, I think he very much benefited from a really high number of bonus points returned. So I think you should be lumping money on that to say to say the least. Hmm. Eriksen benefits from not trying to take people on yes I think we, we talked about this in pre-season that Deli Ali will go at people and, and they don't come off so when they get marked on on, on take-ons that affects the bonus point system and the, and the bonus point rate precisely that is yeah um, I I also wanted to talk about the Spurs right backs as well because we saw Trippier started last week when we thought there might be Aurier but then Aurier played in midweek in the Champions League do you think that we're going to see some rotation initially 
It's. I think it's hard to say. I think we probably will see some rotation. Um, I think last season. I mean, I think last season Pochettino was rotating the fullbacks anyway a little bit during you know switching between mm. cup and league. So I'd imagine that we would see a bit of that. So I'd probably say that this weekend, I would reckon that Trippier would would start again, but. It's a little bit trickier to say. I think this is the other reason why Ben Davis, you know, really looms large in terms of like the FPL picks is because Danny Rose still not being back to full fitness means that Davis essentially doesn't have anyone to rotate with apart from perhaps Jan Vertonghen. But I don't think really Pochettino wants to move him out of central defence. So I feel as if with Spurs' right backs, I think hold on a little bit and see what happens over the next few weeks because you'll see, you know, how much certain players are playing and whether or not that league cup rotation restart hmm. uh, another fixture that I wanted to pay particular mention to is, is Liverpool hosting Burnley um, Saturdays, uh, Saturday at 3 o'clock um, I know that, that Heaton is gone so it might be a slightly different defence but Liverpool have come off a pretty tough week um, with a, a defeat in the league and, and the Champions League draw Burnley are, are kind of ready-made to frustrate them, aren't they? They're a side that like to sit deep and, and hit teams on the break and, and Liverpool will be a team that want to push forward and, and float forward and, and their attackers are probably better than, than Liverpool's defences. This is It feels like a 2-0 to Burnley could happen, much like it happened last season. I think that's, that's, that's definitely possible. I mean, I think um, Liverpool struggled last season without Sadio Mane in the side and so there's going to be a lot of emphasis on, on Mo Salah actually delivering at that side of the pitch. And I think it's over 30% of fantasy managers have him in their team. So if Liverpool are to get a good result, it's probably going to be as a result of Salah being more clinical than he was last week, say, with that chance at Manchester City, which he wasted at a really crucial point in the game. I also think like the point you've made about the way that Burnley play, I think it's it's almost ready-made to cause Liverpool problems going up towards those direct direct football towards big centre-forwards. I mean, I know it's it might seem a sort of a little bit agricultural, but last season you know Fernando Llorente caused problem against Liverpool Christian Benteke has mm. had a good record against Liverpool as well when he's been playing you know for the size like Crystal Palace so that means that players like Chris Wood Sam Vokes you know 6.5 million under strikers who are they're not much fancied at the moment by fancy managers because I think that they're doing what a lot of people are doing and front-loading their teams with really expensive players. But if you are looking for a low-cost striker, I think either of one of those options would be... Well, I think they're both going to be a reasonably strong bet this weekend against Liverpool. Mm. And you mentioned him earlier, but Nick Pope is, as long as he has a, a decent game quite fancy him to get some sea of bonus points exactly and I think that the key thing as well is just look at that Burnley back line for, for some value because you know you've got players like Stephen Ward playing at left back who's, who's 4.5 million Lowton similarly priced me cheap Tarkovsky cheap it's looking to me like Burnley are going to be offering quite a lot of defensive value this season and when you compare it to a team like West Brom who everyone is has always traditionally sort of pegged as the team that provides defensive value. Burnley players are actually quite a bit cheaper than sort of their West Brom mm. counterparts, man per man. Um, but I think already with Ward, he's already delivered a couple of assists. So I think there's also that option because they're going quite direct for those fullbacks to be getting assists in particular. Mm. Now, one team that you drew attention to last week uh, were Watford and the impressive start that they've made in terms not in, in just in the league but actually in, in fantasy terms as well um, they host Man City on, on Saturday and in the same way that I think Burnley are set up to frustrate Liverpool it feels like Watford have the, the system and the team to 
frustrate Man City. I think they do. I mean, I think that their problem may well be sort of a slight hangover from this fixture at the end of last season where, where Manchester City took them apart um, at Vicarage Road. And, you know, there is always that, that possibility that, you know, Jesus and Aguero, who I believe now have got a dozen goals between the pair of them in seven games, you know, that's a dangerous strike force and, and could well deliver a return. That said, um, you know, Watford, when they went down to 10 men against Brighton, you know, a couple of weeks ago, about a few weeks ago, in fact, they looked they look comfortable which I mean I know that Brighton aren't necessarily the sort of the most dynamic attacking force that we've seen in the league but I think it's testament to how well organised they are that they could deal with being a man down and still actually hold on relatively comfortably in that game and I think the real benefit to anyone who's looking at things from a fantasy football perspective is that Watford players and pretty much the entire Watford squad is cheaply priced almost everyone in there in the same way that Burnley offer a lot of value Watford I think offers the same thing I think Gomez he's not necessarily the most uh, fashionable pick for a goalkeeper but again cheap getting clean sheets Kiko Firmenia um, the fullback the right fullback who who looks to me like a, a really interesting option he's already one of the highest scoring defenders in, in FPL at the moment um, despite the fact that he's playing for Watford obviously um, and at 4.5 million that, that price tag is really tempting and then I've already mentioned Richarlison and, and Decore 6 million and 5.2 million respectively and they've already got returns and then at the moment Watford's fixtures have actually been I think a little bit challenging which explains the reasons why players like Andre Gray haven't been you know on the score sheet as of yet but I think those forwards will start coming into their own the deeper that we go into the season. So I, I do fancy Watford to be quite a handy source of points for fantasy managers in the, uh, the course of the season. Mm. The one, the one big thing I thought um, looking at Watford last weekend during the game week was that they don't. There's not a nasty period of fixtures necessarily at any point. They just seem they don't seem to get a particularly good run. I think their best run of fixtures around Christmas when they just get kind of they were, they're all too close together yeah. um, for my liking for people to play regularly yeah. but they're just every third game or every, there's always a, a nasty fixture or a, a game against one of the top sides so it'll be difficult for them to necessarily pick up lots of momentum but I think there's there's opportunities there for people to pick up a few points here and there and rotate I say this. yeah and definitely rotation yeah. because you know I mean mm. I know that I keep bringing up Pascal Gross because he makes me feel better about last week but essentially I had him in there alongside Atsu as cheap rotational midfield options so when Atsu got a home game he went in when Gross got a home game he went in and then obviously if they both had a home game I judged it. Uh, it it's just one of those things where a Watford player could easily fit into that role as well where when there's just a nice home game for Watford you just slide someone in for one match and then just bring them back out when the, the fixtures toughen up again yeah I I have made my change already um, for this game week and I have taken out Ryan Bertrand and brought in Ben Davis purely for the reason that I don't think Crystal Palace are going to go a fifth game without scoring I know they've got a new manager um, and it's a slightly different thing but I just I can't they've been unlucky with some of their chances so far this season and when they host Southampton in Saturday's early kickoff, I'm expecting Roy Hudson side to score a goal what do you think? Well, I think that... Well, I, I, I actually tend to agree with you as well, and I don't think that Southampton are really up to much this season, which is actually the reason why I ended up playing a wild card this week, um, which was an interesting turn of events, that's for sure. <laughs> it's... Um, how come? How come? Is that based on last week, or just you're not happy with a lot of your picks? So there, there were a few reasons for it. I mean, one of them is that it feels like the fantasy season is actually starting to shape up, and I'm starting to get a handle on what's what, what's looking um, 
good in terms of like the fantasy setups. It feels as if like forwards, it feels like elite forwards and elite midfielders are really going to be dominating the game this year. And anyone who can pick up good value. Um, defensive picks from the top sides but then really solid low cost picks from teams like you know the Burnley Watford um, kind of sides who no one particularly fancies but who have lots of 4.5 million pound players I feel as if that's the way the winds are blowing so I decided to try and and make my side a lot more top heavy second thing is just generally the season shaping up Um, I had a lot of Southampton players at the start of the season because of their really attractive opening 11 fixtures but they've they've really been quite disappointing to be totally honest this season and so there was a really a temptation to move on quite a lot of players there and then lastly, just a, a few of my own decisions. You know, I, I brought in players like Charlie Taylor at the start of the season in, in, in anticipation of them potentially slotting into the side at Burnley and they weren't even starting. So I decided that I wanted to have quite a big reshape of my side. And I, I, I was thinking I was going to play a wild card probably within the next couple of game weeks anyway. I think what happened is I just brought it forward simply because of the way that Southampton were performing. So my side is now... Um, it's Ben Foster and Rob Elliott in, in goal. We've got Craig Dawson, Stephen Ward, Phil Jones, Jamala Skells, and Ben Davis at the back. Uh, Christian Eriksen, Enric Mitarian, David Silva, Pascal Gross, and Atsu in the midfield. And then I've got Roberto Firmino, Lukaku, and Murata up top. Ooh. So the aim is to stick essentially with that front six block. Um, then rotate between the defenders and the midfielders. And then the potential thing that might well be happening is Lukaku may be for the chop. Um, but I think it would be Hazus coming in instead of him for next week. So I'm hoping that that's a recipe for sort of a really good set of solid, consistent long-term points with the opportunity to just rotate a few players in and out here and there. That front three is my thought right? yes and and the thing is is that I'm actually slightly disappointed in a sense I think this is just a, sort of a really important point about I think you were going to sort of line up to asking should you be playing your wild card and I think if I was talking to someone and saying should you play your wild card there's just a few things that I would, would say consider about it first of all even though I've gotten that front three in I actually quite wanted to get Kane in um, but I just simply couldn't work out a way to do it without you know really weakening the midfield as well and so if you're looking at playing a wild card, remember it's not the solution to all of your fancy problems. You can't solve everything. You can only use it to do so much. I think it's better to play your wild card if you have a really clear idea of what you want to do and what you want to achieve from it. Because once you're doing that, you know how to shape your squad up. And I think it's only worth playing if you actually feel like you really need to. I mean, I felt like I needed to because I had a lot of inactive players. Um, and that was giving me the heebie-jeebies because it was essentially no options for rotation. And I also felt as if I wasn't giving myself enough value going forward so that was the reason why I decided to play it but if you are actually scoring pretty well and you feel like your squad's got pretty good fixtures I would see if you can maybe hold on for another few weeks because I don't think it's going to hurt anyone to to hold that wild card a little bit later on into, into the window and into the season Good, that has reassured me, you've made such a convincing argument for you to make it playing a wild card I was hovering over the button as you're talking <laughs> but I'm uh, I'm going to hold on for now I'm going to stick with my one change stare at the screen for a bit later and figure out if I want to lose four points to get rid of James Ward-Prowse um, and then probably bottle it anyway and not really worry about <laughs> it um, just anything else you wanted to touch on we've got kind of time if there's a quick roundup of Bournemouth Brighton, Huddersfield, Leicester I think West Brom, West I was, the main thing that I was, was thinking was just um All I was actually going to say this week was simply, last week when we were talking about game week four, we were saying it was a difficult week. 
and it was hard to call where the fixtures were going to go and I think that was the reason why you saw quite a lot of volatility you know people some people scoring really big in terms of the people who did back certain players then some a lot of people scoring pretty averagely and a lot of people suffering because they took out really popular players who hadn't been performing and who then produced really good results it was one of those confusing weeks this week I think it's much more straight down the line I think there's a lot of favorable fixtures I think um it's I think it's pretty reasonable actually to be backing you know certain players and certain sides I was trying to come up with captain choices and I simply couldn't look past Lukaku Kane or Morata this week it was just that that obvious so I think mm. what I'll be saying is I'd simply just look towards the home teams for the most part of it I mean someone you know like the, the Friday night fixture is a little trickier to call but you've even got things like Newcastle at home against Stoke Stoke are a good side they're playing pretty well but Newcastle are actually looking pretty solid defensively and that looks like that could be sort of one that peters out quite nicely um, and yeah I mean I think what I would just say is just go to form this weekend because I think it's um, a much easier week to call hopefully fingers crossed than it was last time out the one thing I would say is if you've got a free transfer, hold on to it and then remove all Brighton, uh, sorry, Bournemouth players next week if it doesn't go well for them against Brighton. Yeah. They've got a, a nasty run of fixtures. It's not going to get better. No. Um, there will be, I think some point in the next six weeks, Brighton are going to win a game 4-3 and people will score points, but even that's not going to be enough because they've just got a nasty run. Um, Everton away, Leicester at home, Spurs away, Stoke away, Chelsea at home, Newcastle away. Yeah. Then I, I can't see them doing getting getting many points on the board or many wins on the board. Never mind anything fantasy. Wise. No, and I, I avoid Crystal Palace on on a similar note. I know they've got a new manager and maybe they will have a new manager bump, but it's very difficult to have a new manager bump when you've got Manchester City and Manchester United within the next three fixtures. Yeah, it, it almost it feels like a free pass for Roy Hodgson to just get get the hang of things for four weeks. He's not. There's no expectation on him to be on anything more than zero points exactly in in four weeks time anyway uh just before we go quick reminder we are giving away three books to the top three of our mini league at the end of game week seven it's almost certainly too late for someone into the league now but good luck if you fancy it and good luck to all current entrants in contention um, get yourself signed up to follow us on twitter um the username is three bonus points that's the number three bonus pts and um, we're also on facebook and instagram we'll get those up and running with, as the season kicks on and if you want to get in touch with the show you can email us with questions queries or suggestions at show at threebonuspoints.com um, until next week mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Good luck.